listening to the Oil & Gas This Week podcast with Mark LaCour and Paige Wilson. This is the show for busy oil pros who quickly want to keep their finger on the pulse of the industry. You're listening to the Oil & Gas This Week podcast brought to you by IBM. This is the show for busy oil pros who want to quickly keep their finger on the pulse of the industry. Thanks for joining us for episode 246. God, we got so much stuff to talk about before we get to the news show. So our last episode with the IBM Takeover. I was not actually tied up and gagged, y'all. <laughs> Just letting y'all know. So first thing, thank you for everybody that reached out almost instantly to make sure we're okay. Maybe we were slightly too real with that. <laughs> Second thing, once all y'all realized that it was a bit of a joke, the second wave of inbound came in and Paige, it's our highest trafficked episode of all times. Like, I noticed I saw it hit amazing numbers within the first two days. Yep. So if you look at the podcast stats and typically you measure the number of downloads over the first seven days, we're in the top 0.05%. So less than half a percent of all podcasts in the world, that one episode. So big shout out to IBM for doing a good job. And thanks to all of y'all for listening. For listening, right? And I just thought it was kind of fun that we did something a little bit different. Yeah, that was fun. Speaking of doing things differently, what you doing for Christmas? A whole lot of nothing. A whole lot hopefully. of nothing? <laughs> Anything else besides a whole lot of nothing? Well, I mean, it's the Christmas holidays. Well, we also have the Oiling Gatsby Charity Christmas Ball. Oh, well, which is technically before Christmas. But okay. Yeah. All right. So we're co-sponsoring that with Social Octane. This is going to be the premier Houston event for the year. Not just oil and gas event, but event. It's pretty cool stuff. We're going to have an FR Clothing Runway Show and Paige. Our producers could be one of the models in there. Oh, yeah. I yep. thought one of our hosts was. Yep. And one of our hosts could be too well. It's Justin. There's going to be a five-piece swing jazz band, a whiskey room, a champagne room, a cigar lounge, food, beverages, crap tables, blackjacks. And all that money goes where? To nonprofit. The nonprofit that's helping fight orphan wells. So buy your tickets. We're selling packages. If you're a sales organization and you want to bring your clients to something really cool at the end of the year, let me know. We're selling a packages of... 40 tickets for $10,000, which is actually quite a deal. Yeah. Also, if you want to bring your team and do something different, let us know. But this is our first time we've ever done anything of this size. And what we're hoping to do is not only raise money for the Orphan Well Project, but we want to throw one hell of an end-of-year party for You'll everybody. find me in the champagne room, y'all. <laughs> I don't know where you can find me, but I'll be around. The cool thing is we get to dress up, too. Yeah, I'm going to be a chunky flapper, man. <laughs> <laughs> I need to get on the treadmill. <laughs> Speaking of needing to get on the treadmill, we got a review that I want to read. I'll let you read this. Incredibly generic and meaningless content. Listen to a few episodes. They all lack substance of any kind. Lots of throwing out buzzwords like factory model, digitalization, vertical integration, but no actual content. No thank you. This is listed from Dulcevarkic <laughs> from Canada. Two stars. Two stars. So first thing is, I'm not sure what show he's talking about. I don't know. It's not this show. No. Right? I don't know if it's any of our shows. I mean, we have a lot, but this review was, I don't I'm, I know it's a bad review and you think I'm trying to, to discount it, but I'm not. I just think he left a review for the wrong show, which may be why he- I don't remember that, saying any of those words. We don't use those words <laughs> on the show, right? Oh, our, wait. They were examples. Throwing out, lots of throwing out buzzwords like factory model- digitalization, vertical integration. So our Canadian brother or sister who wrote this, number one, thank you for leaving us a review. Number two, check and make sure you left it for the right show. <laughs> All right, let's get into the news. Let's do Mark. it. All right, so the first one is WTI breaks $80 as oil completes seventh weekly gain. You know the last time it was $80 a barrel for WTI? No. November of 2014. God. 
Yeah. Now, everybody's excited. Hiring is picking up like crazy. There's not enough pump part and pieces to go around. But everybody, we got to be really careful here. This is that number I've been talking about for, for almost two years. That $80 a barrel is right at the point where we're going to start increasing production. We have other news articles we're going to talk about supply and demand and everything. But we got to be real careful that we don't step on the gas and increase production faster than demand is because we're going to create another dip in the price. We don't want that to happen. I'm super happy it's 80. I know it means money and jobs to everybody. I love it. I have a passion for this industry. It's great to see us back at $8 a barrel. I don't want it to go higher though. And unfortunately, I think it will. But this is good news, at least for temporary here in the US and, and actually the rest of the world, Middle East, Russia, although there's some geopolitics going there. It looks like the Permian's picking back up. I have my thumb on a lot of the independent producers out there. They're going wide open right now. They can't literally hire enough people. So this is really good. We're $8 a barrel. We haven't been here in a long time. You know, we just, I just don't want it to go any higher. And unfortunately, I think it will go higher. But still, you know, here's a little celebration for us. We hit 80. We've been through hell. We've come back. Yeah. And here we are. All right. So the next article was sent actually to me from listener Paul Barth. Fossil fuel companies and advertisers could soon face their big tobacco moment. Yeah. Paul, thanks for sending articles. Which, by the way, audience, if you have something that you think is newsworthy that that you want to share with your peers, send it to us. We're, we Send ha- it to me specifically. Yeah, I'm the one the that, put, that puts all this together. So. All right. So typical U.S. politics. This is the Democratic side of our Congress announcing they launched an investigation into the fossil fuel industry, saying that we have a long running industry wide campaign to spread disinformation about the role of fossil fuels in causing climate change. I'm not going to go down the road of climate change, but let's go down the road of comparing oil and gas to big tobacco. Okay. Okay. Number one. Whoever wrote this article used an oil and gas product to write this article, right? Unlike mm-hmm. tobacco, that they didn't smoke the tobacco to actually write the article about tobacco. Right. Second thing is hydrocarbons are the most natural organic supply of fuel there is, right? It's made by Mother Earth, unlike tobacco, which is also a natural plant but has been genetically modified. And then finally, the world can run really fine without tobacco, although a lot of people that use it would not be happy for a little while. The world cannot run without hydrocarbons. So what they're doing here is they're saying that the, – and, and they're, they're picking on the same super majors they always pick on, Exxon, Chevron, BP, Shell. And they're basically saying, hey, we know that you've misrepresented things. We know that you've lied to the public, and we want you to pay up for it, which is simply ridiculous. Of course, the oil and gas industry markets its products and services just like every other industry. If you want to look at where people are really misleading their buyers about their product, look at the cryptocurrency world right now or things such as home remedies, right? But come on, people, we need to stop this and we need to start working together. There's a lot of places where the oil and gas industry can improve, but we're not going to improve if we're constantly fighting each other, right? And to do this again, I don't know how many years ExxonMobil has specifically has been in court over the misrepresentation of what they do. But, you know, they won in California, they won in New York, and this is just another attempt to, to you know, throw shade at an industry that actually needs the help of the public. So this aggravates the living bejeebies. But I am glad that somebody sent this article in because it is important that we talk about this. Right. All right. So big story of the week. Evidence suggests ship anchor snag dragged oil pipeline. 
Yeah. So, man, what a lot of, there's a lot of moving parts here. Have you seen the picture of the pipeline, the underwater picture? No, I haven't seen the picture. It is amazing. So the pipeline, I don't remember what the diameter of the steel pipe is, but it's encased in concrete and it's buried on the sea floor. And you literally, from the video that they showed, you can literally see this bow. You can tell something, grab that pipeline and moved it. And this pipeline doesn't weigh 50 pounds. Right. It's tons and tons. Right, right, right. something very big, very large to move. And then what was interesting to me, it looked like it should have broken in half as much as it was pulled out of shape not only did it not break a half so whoever did the engineering and construction of pipeline hats off for building something that robust it only had a 13 inch crack in it right and there's a lot of evidence saying that crack may have happened earlier and we're getting to that a little bit further along in the, in the podcast here but the beaches are closed because they had some spills the crews are on top of it right now the spills have been contained they will clean up that beach and clean up the water and then they're going to make sure that whatever happened they're going to reverse engineer figure out what the root cause was and if somebody or some company is to blame for this you know one of these ships they will then face the appropriate charges the legalities and, and the price to fix all this but I, I will give a big shout out number one the coast guard was very quick to, to alert everybody they saw a sheen on the water i think a fisherman actually saw it first yeah and then also I think it's very cool that Amplify Energy, without even worrying about who's to blame for what, jumped into it, shut the pipeline off, brought in emergency crews, and took care of this really quickly. You'll see some stuff in the news that took them like three hours to get control of this. Honestly, <laughs> three hours to, to let some alert a company to have them roll a truck to go out there and, and start shutting valves off. I think that's very impressive. They did it in three hours. So there's more to come on this. We have more to talk about it in this show, but there's also be more to come in the future because nobody really knows what happened yet, but we will figure it out. They did say that it was drag about a hundred and... Five feet. 105 feet. If y'all see the size of this thing, imagine grabbing- You a, think they would think something's wrong, like, oh, this isn't moving very fast. Well, if it was a ship's anchor, I promise you they knew they grabbed something they shouldn't yeah. have grabbed. And there's all kinds of protocols in our maritime and in, in our coastal waters about what they have to do, what they have to report, all that sort of stuff. So we'll get into that. But to move something that big, I mean, literally imagine a train, you know, imagine a hundred train cars on a road track and imagine a big anchor grabbing it and moving it a hundred feet to the right or left. That's what, whatever pulled this thing was that, that massive. Yeah, yeah. All right, so the next one is, where's Pete? Questions face DOT as cargo ship backlog blamed for the California oil spill. Now, this is really interesting. And the, the article they're talking about, Pete Buttigieg, Pete is the Secretary of Transportation. And what everybody's really worried about is what's going on with all these cargo ships parked off, not just the West Coast in this case, but all around the U.S. And it's actually a fascinating economic lesson. So the number of ships bringing sea cans haven't increased what has happened is there's not enough dock workers to offload them. And then also, because these sea cans have a time, and I don't know what the number is, but let's say it's 60 days from the moment they're loaded in China, they come over here, they're offloaded, and then reloaded with stuff to be brought back to China. That cycle time, that 60-day cycle time, is now huge because the ships are parked. So now there's not enough sea cans back in China to fill it with stuff to bring here. So it's a multi-tier problem. And the Secretary of Transportation, Pete, really needs to get into and understand what's going on in this congestion of cargo ships and see where we can help. And I know people who think I'm crazy. You know, prison labor is there. I mean, the prisoners probably like to get out if they're low risk and actually do some manual labor. Now, there has to be some way the state of California can actually increase the number of workers so they can actually get these sea cans offloaded. But what's interesting about this article is it ties into what we just talked about earlier in that with all these large cargo ships in the California area, they're not used to sitting still. They're used to coming into port, offloading, and then leading back out, which means they're not experiencing anchoring off the coast of California. And what did we just talk about? That's something really big, right? Like an, with like a 
a big cargo ship with an anchor grab something because they weren't in that area. So it's a multi-tiered problem. And Paige, the thing I'm worried about the most, if this happened here in California, and everybody's seen the pictures, this cargo ships off the West Coast off, and the Gulf Coast off the East Coast, what else is going to happen? Right. What else yeah. are you accidentally do? You know, and thank God nobody's gotten hurt yet. Right. So this is really important. I think the U.S. government needs to, needs to really look at this and figure out how can we increase that cycle time? How can we get these cargo ships, which normally aren't sitting still anchored, into our terminals, get them offloaded and get them back out? And time eventually will catch up. But right now, there's stuff you just can't get. And yeah. unfortunately, I think it's going to get worse before it gets better. Fingers crossed that I'm wrong about that. Start ordering your Christmas presents early, y'all. <laughs> no exaggeration. No, not yeah. at all. I'm already halfway done. So, yeah. Hey, it's Mark LaCour, Editor-in-Chief here at OGGN. Just a quick interruption to share a few things that are going on in October. We have not one, but two industry mixers this month, one on October 7th and one on the October 21st. Just check out our social. They're always great events, and the money that you help us raise goes to fight human sex trafficking, and you get to network with oil and gas executives. We have a new show just came out, Energy Transition Podcast. Also remember, we have 14 other podcasts for your listening pleasure. And then the end of this year, we'll be full media partners for the 23rd World Petroleum Congress, December 5th through 9th. The World Petroleum Congress has not been in Houston over 30 years. So make sure you put space in your calendar. Come check us out. And then finally, join the OGDN Street Team on LinkedIn. It's our all-volunteer group that's really going places. I'll see you again next month. All right, so the next one is Greenpeace Block Shell's Rotterdam Refinery. Once banned on fossil fuel ads. Which, by the way, Greenpeace, I've reached out to y'all. I'm going to reach out to y'all again. I just want to come on the podcast, not this one. I've got a new show that y'all would be perfect for. I'd just like to have a conversation. Here's my favorite thing. So they're protesting fossil fuels, in this case, Shell's refinery. And they're protesting with these big blocks that have ads on them. So it's the same ads that Shell would run about you know the work it's doing in power regeneration or CO2 capture or the type of fuels they sell at the retail gas stations. They've taken these exact ads and they've put them on these blow-up nylon blocks. These blow-up nylon blocks are made from hydrocarbons. <laughs> Come on, Greenpeace. Come on. I fussed at you about this years ago when y'all were fighting the exploration of the Arctic out of, I think it was Portland, and the Cadillacs, the, the kayaks y'all were using are all made from polypropylene, which is the plastic made from hydrocarbons. Y'all are doing it again. You're a hypocrite. When you use hydrocarbons to protest hydrocarbons, you're a hypocrite. Take a lesson from PETA, right? The people for ethical treatment of animals, you don't see them wearing fur while they're fighting for animal rights. Right. Right? You don't see that. Yet y'all are sitting here using hydrocarbons to protest then my favorite thing page is they brought their their 33 meter long sailing ship in, to drop anchor <laughs> you want those sails are made of this is this is utterly ridiculous well, and they had to gas it up didn't they and if you're a member of greenpeace i have a question for you as a member you have the right to petition the committee to look at your financials i would love to know how much money greenpeace spends in fuel for their offshore fleet. And a lot of that is Bunker C, which is one of the most dirty fuels you can possibly burn. But even their Zodiacs, they're running outboard motors, right? Their sailing ship uses fossil fuels. I would love to know how much money Greenpeace actually spends supporting our industry. I, I feel, bet it's I feel like I've looked, tried to look into that before, but you can't find it anywhere. You can't. It's hidden, right? Interesting. But, I but wonder why. Is, why are you hiding, y'all? <laughs> but this is just utterly ridiculous. And, and Greenpeace, you've done some good work out there in the past. But when you do stuff like this, it just hurts your authentic, authenticity. And the fact that you're this hypocritical just honestly is amusing. All right. 
So the next article is the energy transition will take decades, not years. Yeah. So, you know, it's getting close to me to do my predictions for 2022. And unfortunately, we're, we're heading into a global energy shortage, the degree of which I'm not quite sure about. But give me another couple of weeks and those predictions will come out. This article fits right in there. What's happening right now is there's literally enough energy to go around the world. China, for the first time ever, is importing coal from, I believe, Europe. Really? For the first time ever. They don't have enough. So they don't have enough natural gas to fire their electrical plants, right? Mm-hmm. Which is a cleaner burning choice. Right. So now they're going back and firing up their coal plants and they don't have enough coal. The world doesn't have enough coal right now. The funny thing is with this whole energy transition movement, it looks like the next 12 months are going to be a record year for coal, natural gas, and crude oil because the winter's coming. Yeah. People love to talk about how we need to move to other forms of energy until they've frozen to death. (laughs) And then all of a sudden, it's just a matter of how do we get the house back up to 69 degrees. Right. And then, of course, the fossil fuel supply out there is also have been diminished because of what we went through in 2020. And the thing I'm worried about is there's not a whole bunch of exploration going on right now, which makes me think there's going to be another gap in supply in another probably 18 months or so. Hopefully okay. I'm wrong about that. Yeah. And then please, people know hate mail. I love renewables. It's just renewables is part of the energy mix, just like hydrocarbons are part of the energy mix. And when you artificially try to change it from one side to the other, you have what's happening. You have what's going on right now happen. You can't force renewables at too fast a rate and tell people to get rid of hydrocarbons at too fast a rate. Because if you do that, you end up with energy shortages. And like I said, it's going all over the world. Here, here we're doing okay right now, although I just got my electricity bill and it's not pretty. But Europe is literally losing energy. China's having to shut down factories and schools on a rotational basis. They don't have enough electricity to keep the schools lit. Same thing's going on in Australia. So, you know, it's just, this, is, this is just crazy well, stuff. Well, you know, what's really funny is I was reading earlier today that Gavin Newsom just banned the sales of gas blowers and lawnmowers and stuff like that. So no gasoline-powered lawn equipment in California. Right. So that's going to be interesting. (laughs) So we're going to have a a state full of homeless that can't cut their grass, that can't keep their houses cool in the summer or keep them warm in the winter. And then the ones that can get out, get out. Hopefully, if you're one of those ones that are getting out and moving away from California, you understand that your politics caused this. So please be careful how you vote. Don't California my Texas, y'all. <laughs> Who do we get fussed at? Oh, oh we, somebody said, quit telling them to no, <laughs> quit we, sending we them to the Oklahoma. <laughs> <laughs> so we decide to send them to Kansas? Yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, there's Nebraska, too. Nebraska. <laughs> All right, come on. Next one. Okay, so the next one is Nord Stream 2 operations begin gas tests. Yeah, so this is just part of the process as they bring this pipeline online. A lot of geopolitics here. You know, this is basically Russia providing natural gas to Europe. Unfortunately, because of our politics here in the U.S., we're not able to supply that because we could, which would loosen Russia's chokehold. But anyway, it doesn't matter. But this is actually the other thing that's going on is Russia's bypassing Ukraine. And there's a whole history there on why they're doing it, what's going on, what's happening in the Ukraine, which some of it's really horrible. But the other thing that is really interesting about this is if you look at what's happened in Germany with their interwind program, and I know I'm going to get some hate mail because every time I say interwind, everybody says I'm wrong about it failing, but it failed, right? Well, Germany right now is having record energy prices right now to the point that people can't afford it. And so there's a part of me that wants to think that uh, besides skipping the Ukraine, the reason Russia is doing this on purpose and, and getting ready to light this pipeline is they, they've they timed it just right where Germany's 
public will be so sick of high energy prices that they'll happily buy Russian gas to lower the energy prices. Mm. So from a marketing point of view, from Russia's point of view, this is the timing is immaculate. But like I said, this is just part of the process of lighting up a pipeline. They pressurize it in different stages. They check for leaks. They check to make sure all the automation works, all the alarms and everything, and they up the pressure, up the pressure. Then they go above operating pressure to test fail safe, that sort of stuff. They bring it back down, they clean it out, and they start actually flowing gas. So this should probably another probably three months or so, they'll probably be through with all this and will actually, which would be right smack in the middle of winter for Europe, and they'll start actually shipping gas through this pipeline. So, you know, Europe, your your shortage of natural gas will be somewhat alleviated by this, but just remember you're buying it from Russia and that's, you know, long-term wise, we need to do something about that. And like I said, the U S could export LNG at about the same price to Europe. If we could get our politicians on both sides of the pond aligned, that's not happening today, but let's hope that it happens somewhere in the future. All right. It must be pipeline week. Cause that's been most of the news on bridge oil pipeline to deliver crude for the first time. Yeah. So this is a pipeline that if I remember right, goes from like Canada to Wisconsin, and the pipe, there's an existing pipeline there that was built, I think, in the 50s or 60s. 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 And honestly, people, it's just time to replace it. It's old. It served its purpose. Hats off to Enbridge to keep that thing running for as long as they have. This new pipeline follows basically the same route, just much more capacity. But the biggest thing is it's new. So it's made with new materials, new technology, much, much safer for the people, much, much safer for the environment. And Paige, they have caught hell. I don't know how much time they have spent in court fighting this. And they've literally fought everything from the state to the local indigenous tribes. To I think maybe even the Boy Scouts had something to say. You know, it's just I'm joking about the Boy Scouts. But it's, it's, it's <laughs> I was like, wait, what? How much time they spent in court with this. And finally – they're starting to move oil, and, and they need to, right? So hats off to Enbridge for having the staying power. Also hats off all the operators that have also stuck with Enbridge saying, look, you get this thing lit, we'll use it for transport because we need the capacity. So just you know, just really a good thing. Please let there be no more legal actions around this. This is just a piece of infrastructure. It keeps the country running. It's up. It's operating. It's safe. Leave it alone. Okay. Indonesia conducts test flight during jet fuel mixed with palm oil. <sighs> So I don't even have to read this. In fact, I'm not going to read it because I know you found it. Let me guess. Indonesia is trying to be green. So they're, they Indonesia grows a lot of palm trees. So they have a lot of palm oil. And they want to mix it with jet fuel to be more green. That's probably what this article says. First thing off the top of my head. They, they're trying to see creative ways to use their edible oil domestically. Okay. So if they have a surplus of it, I'm totally for mixing it with jet fuel, 100%. That's not how I was getting ready to take this work. I was really getting ready to go down the route of how much water does it take to grow palm trees, blah, blah, blah. But if they actually have a surplus of it, it's great. The thing that you that a lot of people don't understand about jet fuel is if you put a, some jet fuel in like a little bucket and threw a match in it, the match would go out. It's really hard to light jet fuel because it has so much potential energy in it. The molecules are so complex and you don't have the light esters like you have with gasoline. You know, gasoline really, it's just the vapor that burns, not the liquor. You don't have that with jet fuel. And jet fuel can literally be anything from kerosene to Crisco. <laughs> you can run it in a jet <laughs> engine. And there's, and of course, there's an optimum mix for longevity and performance. So actually, now that you've made me, let me look at this. And now, so the clearance of taking place to grow the palm oil trees has varying concerns amongst environmental because now they're worried about deforestation. Yes, that's where I was originally going without reading this article. Just because you can do something doesn't mean it's best. And quite honestly, if you look at just fresh water, which is another huge issue in our world's face that nobody talks about, but if you look at fresh water, if you look at how many gallons of fresh water it takes to produce a gallon of jet fuel, it's minuscule. You look at how many gallons of water it takes to produce things like ethanol for for 
to mix with gasoline or, or things like biodiesel, it's enormous. And But nobody ever talks about those costs. It costs all that fresh water. So now that I look into this article, it, it doesn't really say if they have a surplus or not. They're talking about – it's the guy that this article's written around is the director of renewables at the energy ministry. So, of course, that's what it is. So, yeah, make sure people, when you're looking at solutions, that, that their solution doesn't make the problem worse. Yeah, well, that's a good point. Very good point. All right. So last article, today's global en- energy crisis is just the first in the clean power era. I just talked about that, but this mm-hmm. is actually a really good article page found literally with a lot of good numbers and a lot of simple explanations for things that are kind of complex. But like I was talking about earlier, you know, here and in Europe, especially we've been pushed really hard to get away from fossil fuels to the point, like Paige said earlier, California is banned gasoline lawnmowers, which don't even get me started. But if you push that too hard and you don't allow the infrastructure to adapt and and grow with it, you're going to have issues. And then at some point, somebody has to pay for stuff. And as soon as your electricity bill doubles or as soon as your cost of heat in your house goes up by 30 or 40 percent, then it becomes an issue. You need to let the market take care of this. And I've said this before, people, but not that long ago, we thought shooting whales or fishing whales, harpooning whales, was the right way to light our home. Now, we now think about that. And that was ridiculous. But that transition happened naturally. The markets drove that. It's the same way with the renewable and hydrocarbon mix, right? The amount of hydrocarbons we use to fuel vehicles in the U.S. and Europe has been going down for 20 years. But we still burn 20 million barrels a day here in the U.S. to make stuff out of. And that's the next thing we're going to have a shortage of, Page. If this trend continues, not only is there going to be a shortage of electricity, of energy, like this article is talking about, but pretty soon we're going to run out of things like the resin to make boats with or lipstick or, or whatever else because the petrochemicals aren't being made. That's going to probably happen in middle to end of next year. It's going to start happening. So but this is a great article talking about how the governments and the politicians of the world are pushing us to do one thing. Now there's a global fallout. What may happen, and I don't want this to happen, you may have the reverse happen where people are get so sick of paying so much money f- to keep their homes comfortable and to fuel their cars that are going to revolt against this renewable push that we're going. And I don't want that to happen. Yeah. So you actually, by pushing renewables faster than the market can adapt them and people can use them, you may actually be hurting your own your own efforts, right? Right. So if you just let the market take care of stuff, that's the best way to do it. Get the politicians out of something. The politicians can't hardly run the government, much less trying to run the world's global energy (laughs) supply. So true. Is that the last one? Yeah, that's it. Speaking of the last one, what is not the last one is day passes at the Cannon. Cannon's our partner, co-working partner here in Houston. If you need a place to co-work, want to get away from your kids, your dog, your wife, your boss, whatever. walk Or your husband. Or your husband. (laughs) That's true. Walk up to the front desk, say that you're with OGG, and they'll give you a free guest pass, and they won't even try to sell you something. Then we had a lot of discussions with IBM. I think we're getting rid of this shirt, so if you want one, you better get it now because I got a feeling you won't be able to get this in 2022. The link's in the show note. You heard me talk about it a million times. It's a really cool shirt, very unique. We give one away a week, so if you don't win this week, register next week. Costs you absolutely nothing. And then weekly rig count. Where are we? All right. So the United States is at 533. So we're up five. Canada is at 167, up two. Internationally, we're at 787 and we're up 10. All, All good right stuff. Direction. Yes, 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 yes. Yeah. You know the deal. Go to LinkedIn, search for OGGN, make sure it's us and just apply. <laughs> whatever okay. it is, whatever it pops up first. Just, just click follow, y'all. <laughs> and then events are picking back up. Although it's really interesting, Paige. At least here in Houston, I'm starting to see, the. even though we don't have a mask mandate and uh-huh. a lot of people are vaccinated, I'm starting to see masks come back. 
and it's a perception thing. Well, I mean, right? I see that every day when yeah. I, I go run errands and stuff. So. so, you know, but the events are coming back. And speaking of events, we're now doing two happy hours a month here in Houston because one was just not enough. Yeah. So if you wanted to learn about these and all the other events that's going on, we have a monthly oil and gas events email we give you for free. The link's also in the show notes. Sign up. Once a month, we put everything in your inbox. Plus, often it has cool stuff that nobody knows about. And then if you want myself or any of our peers to come speak at your event, sales managers out there, you're getting ready to have a kickoff for 2022. Let us bring a podcast here. We we have two or three events that we're doing by the end this year. So if you want us to come out and do something, just holler and we're happy to share details with you. Absolutely. Then first Friday Q&A, you know the drill. You submit your question either at OGGN.com or oilandgasthisweek.com. If we use your question on there, you get a big shout out and bragging rights to your friends. <laughs> I guess. Yeah. Ready to get out of here, Paige? Let's go. All right. Remember, folks, do great work, pay it forward, and we will see you next time. Tune in next week for another informative and entertaining episode of Oil & Gas This Week Podcast, a production of the Oil & Gas Global Network. Learn more at OGGN.com. Oh,